0: And uh, let's uh, make our confession before God as we speak those words. Those words take over our hearts and our lives by the power of the Holy Spirit. And it's such a precious thing to do. Let's go. The Lord God has given me the tongue of the learned, that I should know how to speak a word in season to him who is weary. He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to hear as the learned. The Lord God has opened my ear, and I was not rebellious, nor did I turn away. Amen. I love this scripture so much. Because you can, anyone can turn away from God. Unless he, God, opens your ears to hear. Paul, it's good to see you. Amen. It's good to see you back. Man. (laughs) Thank you, Lord. Paul's here. Wow. We give God the glory. We give God the glory. Wow, wonderful. Where was I? (laughs) I just saw the guy. I got so excited. Oh, thank you, Lord, for answered prayer. Unless God opens our ears, you really cannot hear him. And God's always speaking. He is the word. So God's always speaking. I can recall in Isaiah chapter 6, Isaiah, a prophet, God was speaking. He wasn't hearing it until an angel took coal from the altar and touched his lips. Then he heard God speaking. And God had been saying, it was like he wasn't speaking to Isaiah. God was just speaking. Who shall go for us? Who will I send? And Isaiah heard it for the first time. Oh, send me. And so until he opens our ears, we never hear what he's saying. And yet he's speaking to you as an individual. He has a special plan for your life. Different from everybody's life. Your life. Because you are special to him. And he knows you personally. I don't care what you think about yourself. God thinks a lot about you. You are worth the death of his son to him. Not not collectively. He deals with every one of us individually. And until God opens your eyes to realize how much he loves you, you won't respond to him. And that's what the message is about today. God wants to know if you love him. That's an amazing thing. God wants to know from you if you really love him. This is the creator of the world. This is the one that created all things, the stars, the moon, everything. Yet he is interested in knowing from you if you love him. You know, Jesus asked the disciples, he said, Whom do men, people say, I am the Son of Man. Who are they saying that I am? He wanted to know. He was asking them. If you were there with him, he'll be asking you the same question. What are they saying about me? What are they saying about me? Then he turns around and says, yeah, forget what they're saying, but who do you say that I am? It meant something to him. Why would he ask just to speak? No, it meant something to him. You know, Jesus walked with his disciples for three years. They went with him everywhere he went. They were with him. But then the time came for great trial. I'm sure they were very confused. They were not expecting it. They were not expecting, even though they heard Jesus say over and over again, I'm going to go to Jerusalem and they'll kill me, I'll die. They didn't get it. He he wasn't thinking in. They couldn't understand how a man who walks on water could die. It's impossible. Who could kill him? They heard it, but they were not hearing it. That's why we need God to open our ears so we can hear. Because you can hear it, but you still don't hear it. Until he gives you the wisdom, the understanding to truly hear. You won't hear him. They had walked with him for three years, they went everywhere with him, they ate with him, they felt so comfortable with him, they ask him questions and sometimes get irritated by what he's saying. Remember when the woman touched the garment and Jesus said, who touched me? And he said, oh my master, wait, come on, everybody, everybody's strong in you, you're asking a question like that? Oh come on! But Jesus insists. But they were so comfortable with him, because they knew they were loved. They knew they were loved. But when trial came, they all moved away. They all left him here and he was alone. And for Peter, it was especially painful because Peter himself had declared, even if all men stumble, I will not stumble. I love you so much, I will not stumble. But then he stumbled and denied Jesus three times. How many of us deny him? With the way we talk. The way what we do. But they denied him. And when Jesus rose from the dead. They had gone out fishing. And Jesus was looking looking for them. They didn't tell Jesus they were going out fishing. They went fishing. And Jesus went to meet with them. Where they were fishing. They struggled all night and caught nothing. But Jesus was waiting for them. No matter where you go, Jesus is coming after you. He loves you that much. I'm I'm sure Peter went back to fishing because he was confused and discouraged by the event that's happened. But Jesus was searching for them. And Jesus calls out to them, children, did you get anything? Did you catch any fish? And they said, no. And it's an amazing thing. I don't know if it was dark, but where after Jesus rose, it was hard to recognize Him. It was very hard to recognize Him. They knew He must be the one, but they couldn't tell. They were staring at Him, but they couldn't tell. They, they caught nothing all night. And, and that's what's happening to many of us. We're out going out there, trying to make it on our own, trying to ease our pain, trying to do these things to help ourselves, and we come up with nothing. They had nothing. And so Jesus said, did you, get, did you catch anything? And then he told them, do this. And they caught lots of fishes. And John, John said, that's him. That's him there. And they came out. Peter first ran to him. Had to know, after you've denied the person that badly, how you could stand in his presence. I'm sure Peter was uncomfortable, but he was very glad to see him. Very uncomfortable, but glad. And then Jesus invited them to dinner for breakfast. Come on, I got breakfast prepared for you. An amazing thing. I don't know how long they ate, but he was silent. Nobody was saying anything. Read. It was a silent time. Everybody was just eating. Nobody was saying a word. Some of them were saying, huh, I know this is Jesus. And the serenity, they still couldn't recognize. They just had to go by faith. Amen? That he's him. He's him because Paul says, Now, as believers, we don't know him in the flesh anymore. We've got to know him by faith. And so they knew it was the Lord. Some of them, he said, nobody there asked him, Who are you? Well, if he's sitting right there with you, you should know. But the way he broke the bread. Amen? And the way he blessed the bread and gave back to them, they knew, yeah, that's him. That's him, he's back from the dead, that's him. He's sitting with us eating. But nobody was saying anything. And Jesus wasn't saying a word either. And then you read in verse 15, John chapter 21. He said, so when they had eaten breakfast, first time Jesus spoke. And he was addressing Peter. Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than this? Do you love me? He needed to hear him. Say it. I don't know what he'll do to God himself. But God needed a man to respond to his love. Do you love me more than this? And Peter said, drawing on the fact that he knew, Jesus knew all things, he said, yes Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my lambs. Feed my lambs. If you love God, you'll be trying to raise people for him. First, the lambs. Jesus asked the same question again. Simon, son of Jonas, the son of John, do you love me? I'm sure that was a very uncomfortable position for Peter. But Peter denied Jesus three times. Jesus asked him the same question three times. Do you love me? And he said, yes, Lord, you know. You know I love you. And Jesus said, tend my love. In, in other words, take care of my sheep. No more lambs. If you take care of lambs, they'll grow up to be sheep. Take care of my sheep. If you love me, be focused on what I desire. What means more to me than anything else. Angela alluded to that today. If you love me, take care of the flock. Take care of the people of God. Let your heart be in me Tend my sheep, he said. And then he went on further and asked Peter, do you love me? And Peter was this time, that was too much for Peter. He said, you know all things. You know I love you. And Jesus said, not feed my lambs. He said, feed my sheep this time. But why was he asking the question? I know you're not seeing Jesus right now. But God is not a respecter of persons. What if Jesus is sitting right by you now and he's saying to you, Daughter, do you love me more than these? What does these, these represent in your life? Do you love me more than these? What does this? In other words, I gave my life because I want your love. That's what God's saying. You didn't have the ability to love me in your state, in your sinful state. But I gave my life, I gave it all so that I can give you the ability to love me. Now that you have, do you love me and what does this mean in your life? Loving Jesus. That's what Jesus says is the first commandment. God is love. He wants you to love him. That's number one commandment. And we have to love him. He says you must love your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul. You have to love God. God must be number one. And God was saying to Peter, did you move away from the love that you have for me? I want to thank God they came back. Many of us need to come back today to our love for God. And if you you haven't taken a step towards God to let God know that you love Him, He wants to hear it. Many times in my prayer, I just love telling Him, I say it over and over and over again, that I love Him. Think about it. If your child suddenly runs up to you and wraps his hands around you and says, Daddy, I love you. How would you feel? And two minutes later, he's back again. And he says, I love you, Daddy. How would you feel towards that child? You're looking forward to see that child come. He's running. He's coming to say, I love you. I love you, Daddy. And then you tell, okay, go get that thing for me. He runs and he gets it and he gives it to you. And then he wraps his hands around you again and says, Daddy, I really love you. How would you feel? You won't, if, if your friend mistakenly hit that boy, you'll look oh, like, yeah. did, what did you know? <laughs> That's my son, okay? But one thing we must know, when you tell God you love him, it connects back to your heart. And empowers you, not only to love God, but to love other people as well. Because they are created in his, in his image. So God wants to know if you love Him. Question this morning. Have you fallen out of love with God? No. Thank you. Have you found something else that seems to be a little bit more important than your service for God? Is it first place in your life? It's easy to say no. But your actions is what tells Him whether or not that's the case. You know, God will not take second place when it comes to your love for Him. God was saying to the church in Ephesus, speaking to John in the island of Patmos. Let me show you some of the things He said. Uh, In Revelation chapter 2, verse 3 and 4, He talked about them and the church, how they've done so well. But then he said to them, And you have persevered and have patience. And many of us know patience is hard. That means more trouble so you can develop patience. Yes. So they've been through a lot of troubles and they've developed patience. And Jesus was commending them for their patience. He says, And you have persevered. In other words, they endured hardship for his name. And Jesus was acknowledging that, that they had endured, they had done that. They had suffered for him, and they had been patient. Even though they didn't receive immediate deliverance, they were patient waiting on God. That's what he said. And I've labored for my name. In other words, they were busy for his name. Not busy for themselves. Not busy to get ahead. They were busy for his name. For the kingdom of God, they were busy. For his name. For his name's sake. And even though they were busy, they were not weary. But then Jesus says, nevertheless, I have this against you. Even though I had all of these great things that I acknowledge about what your service to me, I still have this one thing against you that you have left your first love. He got his attention. When you leave your first love for God, you just got his attention. He notices. When something else is more important to you, and you may not even realize it, but he sees it. He notices it, and he wants to talk to you about that. You're doing all this stuff for my name, and you're going to church, you're singing, you're praising me, but somehow I can tell you when you're no longer where you were in your love for me. And as I notice that, he says, I want you to turn around. You need to get back to your first love. That's important to him. Why? Because loving God is important to God. He wants to be loved. Because he is love. You love him. He's already love. He loves you. He loves you. he never leave you. he never forsake you. But the only way you can receive from Him, the only way you can be blessed, is when you pour out your love towards Him. He wants to give you everything. In other words, you open the door for Him to pour upon you when you love Him. You can ask any question and He gives you the answer. Because you love Him. You know, they were having a supper, the last supper they had before Jesus went to the cross. John, the disciple whom Jesus loved, was his breast. There was a question. All of them wanted the question answered. No one was able to speak. But John, when you love, there's no fear. Perfect love cast out all fear. They were scared, but John wasn't, because of love. He leaned to Jesus. Who are you talking about? And Jesus told him, got the answer. Because of his love for Jesus. Amen. We need to turn around and begin to say it to Him because we don't have the ability. But when we say it to Him and we call on Him and we keep telling Him that we love Him, then that power of His Word begins to take hold of our heart and then we begin to respond to Him in the way God wants to be loved. Man is always a feely love until things get rough. But God's always there. He loves us. He loves us. God will not take second place in love. You may have a way to excuse it. He doesn't. He doesn't understand it. I, I need to tell myself that, that God doesn't understand, that I'm really very, very busy, so I cannot... No, He doesn't. He's not going to take second place. You got to let one go. He says you can serve two masters, right? You either serve God, or you serve something else. You, and he says, you can't do it because you will either love one or hate the other. So you choose who you want to love. But he wants to be number one. You know, God gave Abraham Isaac. For 25 years, Abraham was looking for Isaac. And I'm sure after Abraham had Isaac, <laughs> that was it. He was excited about it, I'm sure. The Bible doesn't tell us that, but I'm sure all the promises he's heard from God about Isaac was in his mind. And he loved his son, Isaac. And I'm sure he was caught up in this new fellow that God had given to him. And God was saying, "Uh, Ah, what's going on here? Give me that boy. Take him up to the... If you read the scripture, it doesn't make sense. Why would God give you a son... I know we know what the outcome was right now, but when he, Abraham was, he was living it, he didn't understand what was going on. Can you imagine him, uh, her, uh, him going to Sarah to discuss this matter about killing their son? He will have his eyes plucked out. But God said, I want that boy. Put him at the altar... And kill him. Sacrifice him to me. Uh, You know what I'll say. uh, God. Let's talk this thing over. You know. Uh, You know you were the one that gave me the boy right. Is this your voice or Satan's voice. I need to really know. Am I losing my mind. And Abraham. He knew it was God. And he wouldn't discuss this with his wife. He had to obey and he took the boy down. Doesn't make a lot of sense until he had finished what God wanted him to do. You know, the way God is, is this. He, until it happens, he knows what's going to happen, but he doesn't experience it until it's taking place. Jesus was slain from the foundation of the world, right? So because he was slain from the foundation of the world while he was at the cross, he felt nothing. No, he felt it. That was when God experienced it. Even though in God's mind, it's already been done. But when it happens, that's when he experiences and and then he responds. So when Abraham did that, God called out to him. You can read that in Genesis chapter uh, 22. I want us to go from verse 12. He says, and God said, do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him. Because of all, now I know that you fear God. Remember what I said last Sunday in the Old Testament, what motivates them to do stuff so for God was fear. But in the New Testament is love. So you can replace the word fear for love. That's what God was truly saying in the old covenant. They used the word fear. So fear the law and depart from evil. In the New Testament, love God and do what's right. So what God was saying to Abraham, he said, Now, now, because you've done this, I now know that you truly love me. Because you didn't withhold your son from me. In other words, your son is not first place. I am first place. And because of this, I will bless you and that son. I will bless him. I will bless him. So when we are not totally abandoning ourselves to God for love, you're hurting yourself more. Look at what God said. Could you give me that, please? I want you to go to uh, Genesis 22 from verse 13, please. If have it. He says, then the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time, out of heaven. Out of heaven. And said, by myself. In other words, I don't have anybody bigger than I am in the universe to, to swear by. I'm going to swear by myself. Says the Lord, because you have done this thing. In other words, you demonstrated to me that you truly love me above everything. Even your own life. Your son doesn't compare. Your love for your son cannot compare to your your love for me. I really like that. So God said, I'm going to uh, take an oath to bless you. And the Bible says, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. If anything is holding us back, it's because we are not throwing everything out for God to love him. He said, Solomon loved the Lord. I believe 1 Kings chapter 3, Chapter three. Solomon loved God. And because he loved God, he sacrificed all. He didn't know what to do with himself. A hundred bullocks. He sacrificed to God, not for the sacrifice, just because of his love. And then Solomon went to sleep and God showed up. Solomon was not born with all the wisdom he had. It was given to him in one night. Right after he had demonstrated his love for God. Loving Jesus. Solomon said, You know, I'm, I don't know my right from my left. I, I'm not smart. I'm not like my daddy. He's that great king. I, I, can't, I don't have wisdom, please. And God delivered it to him one night because he had loved God and given everything to him. How can you tell that you love God? How can you tell? How do you measure your love for God? It's simple. If God asks you to do something that's difficult, would you do it? If God asks you to do something that will bring you shame, and people talking about you badly and misunderstanding you, would you do it? That's the issue here. You know, Oral Roberts is great today. But Oral Roberts said, in those days, said some things that everybody was mocking at. Everybody laughed. He said, I saw a nine-feet-tall Jesus. And the media said, a nine-feet-tall Jesus. You know, and everybody teasing, teasing him. As he does his healing thing. And he was mocked. I've seen television program in Florida. Uh, and it's, How many of you remember N.S. Einstein? He has a high-pitched voice. But a healing minister, he was constantly one in the United States. And they had Aura Roberts, and they were both in healing ministry. And one of them, they, they, make, they were mocking at them. I was shocked to see that on television. He goes with his high-piece to Aura Roberts because you haven't done this, divine. And Oral goes, ah, oh, that's in their comedy. And then they're laughing about it. And then Oral's going, oh, I'm blind, I'm blind. But he's a healing minister as well. So he says, well, yeah, in the name of Jesus, I'll tell you. And then you'll be blaming your foot. And then the other guy goes, I said, these people, do they know what you're doing? They, don't know, they have no understanding. And I'm sure Oral, Oral is watching all these things. They're mocking at him. But look, what God He's known all over the world, respected all over the world, because He's willing to love Jesus. He all or doesn't care about what anybody thinks, and they think He's very proud. I think it was Charisma Magazine. They went to him. They said the most humble person you, you'll ever meet. But when you see him talking on television, he's like he's at the top of the world. That's the anointing, not him. But you have to be willing to let, let all go and let Jesus be. He take care of all the issues. Jesus said this in John chapter 14, verse 22 through 24. He says, Judas, not Iscariot, said to Jesus, How is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? We believe in you. Should we take over the world? You just want to show yourself to us? Jesus answered and said, if anyone loves me, if anyone loves me, he'll keep my word. So keeping what Jesus said, doing his word, is the, it translates to love for God. And if you do not keep his word for whatever reason, to God, it translates to almost hate. Not willing to do what he says. Stubbornness, disobedience, whatever you want to call it. If Jesus said, look, um, we we only manifest ourselves to those who love us. So those out there are saying, Jesus doesn't exist. We don't believe in Jesus. Show us Jesus. Show us a miracle. God doesn't reveal himself to those who don't believe in him. That's why you believe Jesus doesn't exist. I know he exists. I know. You don't believe because He won't show Himself to you. But He's shown Himself to me. Amen. And everyone who loves Him, He'll reveal Himself. That's what He said. You will keep my word. Everyone who loves me. If anyone loves me, he will. He will. He will keep my word. He will. When you argue against God's word, it's a clear indication you don't love God or you don't know His Word is clear when you're arguing. And sometimes I meet people argue with me about paying their tithe. I don't care if you pay your tithe or not. The church is still going to run without your tithe. It's between you and your God. But it's a clear indication you know God's Word and you refuse to do it. You don't love Him. He knows it. He says, why do you draw near me with your lips but your heart is far from me? There are a lot of people in the church today... I told somebody, God forbid, but it's the truth. I said, the, every church, from every church, so most people, I believe, will go to heaven, but some of them will go to hell. And the Ark, the Ark Fellowship is not exempted. It just depends on what you do. Just the truth. It has nothing to do with the church you attend. It has to do with, with whether you love Jesus, and you're going to live a life for Jesus. That's what is important to him. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, but those who do the will of my Father. That's what he's saying here. If you don't love him, you won't do what he says. You will have an excuse why you shouldn't do it. Why you could not do it. Why it's not reasonable to do it. But if you love him, yes. And there's always benefit. God never asks us to do anything that a benefit is not attached to it. It's really not for him. I mean, living right, how is he going to change God? Living right for yourself, how is he going to change, is somebody going to get him out of his throne because you are not living right or living right? It's because of your own life. Because when you live right, you open the door for him to bless you. And when you're not doing what's right, just like a loving father, then you close the door for God's blessings on your life. And there are so many things he wants to put into your life to make life better. He said, I came that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. You refuse, you won't listen, so you're not having the abundant life. And his heart is sad, sad. just like Angela said, what man will have a hundred sheep? That's Jesus saying, He'll leave the 99, go after one. He's been coming after a lot of people. They're not responding to Him. Why don't you just give up? Just tell Him, God, I abandon. Just help me. He doesn't condemn you. He loves you darling. He said, if you keep His word, if you love Him, then my Father will love you. And I and my Father that's including the Holy Spirit, we will come and make our dwelling with you. God living with you in your family, in your home. That's why I'm confident about my children. It doesn't matter what they do. My wife and I, we love Jesus. Amen? We live for Jesus by His grace. I know I'm not perfect, but I, I, I stay with him. This is, if Jesus doesn't stay in my life, everything is over for me. But because we love Jesus by, the, by his grace, and it's a choice, not a feeling. I want to love Jesus. I want to follow, even if they don't want to, I want God help me. I know I don't have the power, but I want to, please help me. So that I can follow you with all of my heart. No matter what they're doing out there. I want to serve you. Please help me. You know I don't have the power. But help me to do what's right. I want to do what's right. He cannot die in vain. For my life. He cannot die in vain. Please let that blood touch my life. And change my life. Change your life. You have to desire it. You have to desire it. And God will give you the desires of your heart if you want it. So there's nothing impossible. You just have to desire it. But if you let another thing take the place of God, another thing, even another person, become more important to God, God says, we want to kill that thing so I can be first in your life. So I can bless you. And once that thing is killed, in the mind of God, Isaac was dead. And as long as Isaac was out of the way, he now says, Abraham, watch out. I'm going to bless you. You won't be able to help yourself. You will never recover from these blessings I will pour upon your life. Never. And today, so even today in Israel, see the blessing of God upon Abraham? God still blessing Abraham. God cannot lie. That's what this is all about. We have to love him. And Jesus wants to know, Whether you love him or not. He wants to know. You being a human being. We are very powerless. We don't even have control of what's going to happen the next hour. I remember, you know, this morning I was here. The alert came uh, about the hurricane. (laughs) Tornado, yes, sorry. I'm already looking for hurricane. (laughs) Hurricane. About the tornado. And uh, immediately, because I was sitting, I went to my office in the morning and I saw this a lot. And I said, well, uh, you know to stay away from our church. And you know to stay away from me and my family. Uh, uh, That's out of bounds for you. Go wherever you want to go. But it's trusting Jesus. Trusting Jesus. He has full control. Not perfect, but I want him to have complete control of my life. I want him to have full control of my life. And that gives you the confidence to know that you are in good hands. Amen? Is that all state that says that? They'll lie to you sometimes. You are in good hands until you have an accident. Then you find out what good hands you have. (laughs) But with Jesus... That's, you're in real good hands. He'll take care of you. He'll take care of your family. We don't have to worry because God takes care of us. Jesus has demonstrated his love to us when he gave everything, even his own life. That's how important you are to him. And if you look down on your life, you insult him. If you recall all the mistakes, And you want to compare your mistakes with the cross. No comparison. They are all buried in that blood. Never to be seen. But don't leave and go back and dig in there as if you're still there. Come out of there. Because God has brought you above it. And you are his child. Amen. If you're having a headache this morning, I think God's healing you from that right now. I don't know who that is. But if you have a headache, check yourself because the headache is gone. That headache is gone. Tell me after service, but I know that you are you're healed by the headache. Amen? You're healed from it. I mean, who's healed from headache? Can I see your hand? Thank you. God healed you right there. Amen. Amen. That's wonderful. But he has demonstrated his love for us. He cares dearly for every one of us. Everything that's going on in your life, he notices. When your children cry, he sees it. But not to say, well, that's their business. No, he is very concerned. If you open up for him in love, then you open the door for him to come in. He won't do it the way you want him to do it. His ways are different from ours. So be patient and rejoice because God's going to come through for you no matter how long it takes never give up never give up if you're a human being i told myself long ago if you're a human being and you are still in this flesh he'll take care of you oh yes it's only after you leave this body it's all over there there is no second chance for spirits and when you get into the spirit realm after you die you become a spirit There is no no way it's over. You have to be in the body. Even when God helps people and they die and things are not well, He sends them back to that same body for them to have a second chance. I was with a man who had died and come back to life. But the spirit, uh uh-uh. You got to do everything in your body. But as long as you are in this body, things can change. All you have to do is tell God, you know, like that fellow said, Lord, I believe. And then he turned around and said, help my unbelief. Sometimes I do that when I'm really struggling. <laughs> I say, God help me. And he does. He helps me. He does help me. Because that's how he is. He's such a good God. Jesus said, if God didn't withhold his own son, but for your sake, he says, yeah, I'll let him die so I can have him. You are that precious to him. And you should carry yourself that way. That's when He knows you appreciate what He's done for you. Amen? That's when He knows you appreciate it. We should be rejoicing, not head hanging down. Because of the problems that God can do this, and it's gone. (coughs) But when we leave it, we don't understand it. But God's with you this morning, and God wants to bless every one of you. Amen? Amen? Bow your heads with me this morning. All heads bowed and all eyes closed. You hear this morning and you say, look, Pastor, I really want to have that strong personal relationship with Jesus. I want to have that. I want to have that. I want to hear him speak to me. I want to feel his presence in my life. It could be because you haven't opened the door to let him in. And the way we open the door to Jesus is by just telling him, God, I want you in my life. That's all it takes. He said, I stand at the door and I knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens, I'll come in. Jesus wants to come in. In other words, he wants you to love him in return. And he wants to pour out his love upon your life. Amen. At the count of three, just put your hand up after three, after the count of three. to say, Lord Jesus, I want you to be first in my life. If you help me, God, from this very day, I want you to be first in my life. One, two, three. Put your hand up. Put your hand up. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I see those hands. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. You know He saw those hands will go up. And He saw the sincerity of your heart. Isaiah chapter 1 verse 19 says, If you are willing and obedient, you eat of the good of the land. There is good in the land. God's land. But God, please help me to be willing. Amen. Can you all say that with me this morning? God, please help me to be willing to make you number one in my life. Those who raise their hands, pray with me this morning. Say with me, Lord Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for me. It was for me that you died. And today, I receive you. I welcome you into my life. By your grace, by the power of your spirit, I pledge to serve you and to live for you. I will be in the house of God in times of worship. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen.